Welcome back to All About HR. We're here at episode 22. What a great number. The deuce deuce. We could probably get into all the uses of deuce deuce here uh, at some point, but yes, we can. I don't think we're going to be on an HR show at this point <laughs> if we go that way. <laughs> Let me talk. Uh, you just heard our guest today. Uh, really excited for this conversation. I met him over the social space as well. Sims Tillerson is our guest. Over the past 10 years, he's worked in a variety of leadership positions at Fortune 500 insurance carriers, enrollment firms, and benefit technology firms. During that time, he's had the opportunity to provide benefits technology to companies ranging from 25 to 10,000 employees. Outside the office, he's an avid community volunteer, tattoo enthusiast, recording artist, multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter, and people connector. He lives in Forest Acres, South Carolina with his wife, Brianne, his son, Jack, and his dog, Doc. Sims, welcome to All About HR. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, it's great. Uh, great seeing the guitars behind you in the background. I'm a budding, uh, I don't want to say player, guitar learner at this point. But, you know, I, I, I've seen you, you know, on LinkedIn, you're posting guitar stuff, you're posting all kinds of content. Like, man, you got a lot of range. Like, where's that come from? Have you always been into everything as a kid? Yeah, dude. Um, always, always bored uh, <laughs> and always looking for the next thing. So you'll find that I'm a I'm a wildly mediocre guitarist after about 17 years of playing, um, but I can play a ton of instruments, just none very well. And I'm a kind of chronic hobbyist. I always pick up something new. And you and I are aligned there. Uh, ever since I hit my 30s and stopped just living in downtown cities, working 80 hours and... yeah. Like, all I'm trying to do is learn new things, i.e. guitar. My dad always says, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. But the other one is a mile wide and an inch deep, which I feel like shortchanges. But, you know, I feel like that could be possibly applied to both of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I agree. So your son, Jack, how old, how old is he? He is almost 10 months now. 10 months? Yeah. Hard to yeah, believe. It's one of the funny things about, and I, I've learned not to actually say this to the parents now, but it's like, oh, wow, that went really quick. In my head, you know, he, it was just two months ago. It must have been so quick. And the parents always just stare at me and are like, quick. I haven't slept in 10 months. Like, get out. That's right. the longest 10 months of my life. So how's it been for you guys? It's been pretty good. Our little guy's a good sleeper. Started sleeping through the night. Uh, other new parents listening to this are going to be pissed, but started sleeping through the night at like two months old. My son did the same so thing. I love it. Congratulations. I, I appreciate it. Congratulations to you. Everything that I, I hear from other people, though, is this like, that's just God's way of tricking you into having another one who will definitely not do that. So my second one did that, too. But at three, she stopped doing that, and we were wildly unprepared for the last year I went through. For me, it was almost worse than the first year of both of them. It was I, yeah. I was like so behind the eight ball. So I mean, you never know. We all get ours eventually. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna send good vibes into the universe that that does not happen to me. You know, I, I'll put it out there too. Uh, you should probably write a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying. That's my thing is anytime I, I, I'm always thinking of ideas. Anytime I know somebody plays music, I'm always coming up with song concepts and trying to pitch that to the pitch them to them. Uh, I've had a couple uh, hot pocket, I think was uh, the only one that actually became a full song. Uh, I, I digress. Such a good yeah, hot name. Pocket. It's a good name, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely came from the food that my eight year old boy eats, but you know, the, the song's got a couple turns in there. I'll say that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to hear that. 
for sure. Yeah, maybe we can even uh, you know come up. I, I was pitching you Tuesday ice cream. Do you remember that? Yes. Again, really good name. A lot of directions we can take that in. The only concern I have is that all my songs are so emo. Like it's gonna it's gonna be a sad boy anthem, and maybe that'll well, work. I think it does work because the idea. Now we're gonna get some HR stuff here, people. So glad you stuck with us. But uh, <laughs> you know, the idea was how companies will do a Tuesday ice cream piece as a totally engagement program, which is yep. negative. But at the same time, eating ice cream on a Tuesday is one of the better pick me ups you can do. So I think there's some good emo y oh, type of 100%. angles. Like we had our coldest day last Friday in Colorado. It was like fifty two and overcast. And I took my kids for ice cream and they're like, Dad, it's cold. Why are we going for ice cream? We had the best dang time at that ice cream shop. There was just some mood change about us having sprinkles and ice cream and still being yeah. kinda cold on a weekday. I guess it was Friday, but on a cold, nasty day. So still yeah, I think there's some good emo there. I think we can I, I'm going to keep the pitch going now. I'm in. I'm, I'm going to write it. I'm committed. Uh, let me know how I can contribute, but you know, I, I trust your talents here. I'm, I'm the idea guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I just had a thought. You know Tara Furiani? Like, are you in the Tara Furiani yes. world? I am. Because as I we're am. having this conversation, and you know, this isn't a this is like a PG-13. You know, not a. G. So, you, you know, you can swear a little bit. You know, I know our conversations are out there. But as I was thinking about that, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, that's how Tara rolls. I was like, and I know Tara. I've been on her show. Huh. I bet, yeah. I bet that's how I know Sims. So I, I was like totally just now having the, wait, how do I know Sims in the first place kind of thought? And it's through Tara. So I want to give her a shout out. Uh, she's pretty awesome. Shout out, Tara. She is pretty awesome. And yeah, she she and I have similar brands of HR, I'll say. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that's the thing is HR is not for everyone. HR has to cover a, a broad yeah. spectrum, but at the same time, HR is full of human beings and it doesn't need to be one type of human being in HR and you can have different voices. And sometimes HR needs to speak soft and nice and polite. And sometimes HR needs to grab a bat and start smacking that thing on the table really loud and stop being polite. And I, I think you both kind of express that, that bat on the table uh, yeah. type of conversation <laughs> that you know is needed. And sometimes people won't like it, but also Sometimes it's going to get results that you weren't able to get before you start swing, hitting yeah. that bat on the table and stop being uh, as, as proper. That's right. So uh, since we talked about it a little bit, uh, let's kind of get in. I ask everyone this question. What are you listening to right now? Yeah, so I'll give you – I just pulled up my on-repeat playlist on Spotify. I'll give you my top five. Number one, Interlude by J. Cole. Number two, Throwback, Your Life and Mine by Just Surrender. Number three, Sumter by All Get Out. Number four, Johnny P's Caddy by Benny the Butcher. And number five, Voices by Convictions. So there's a little, uh, there's some rap, there's some emo, there's some alt and hardcore in there. So nice little mix. Yeah, I love that. I love a mix. Um, as another aside, which I feel like is going to be the theme of this podcast, uh, my friend's a, you know, a singer songwriter. So I, I'll go to his open mics on Tuesday, every once in a bit down the street. And this dude came in with all these tattoos on his feet, kind of crazy hair and a beard and a five string bass. And everyone's like, oh crap. And he started playing this hardcore, just bass riffs over a little bit of a loop. 
and everyone was like yeah. just throwing shade and me and this guy were like hey this this guy's actually good so we start getting into it yeah. by the end of his three songs everyone had dropped all their judgments and everybody was like standing ovation he had like the biggest ovation of the whole thing so you know it's one of those just get into everything if it's good man it's good right like, oh yeah oh yeah it's the same with podcasts like if it's good it's good so let's be good I'm in. Speaking of good, you seem pretty good at your job. You seem pretty good at talking about your job. What is your job? Who are you working for now? I saw you made a change in last year. Tell us about what you're doing. Tell us about yeah. you know what they're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah, so I'm the head of sales for Perks, and um, we're we're doing a few things. But what I'm what I'm focused on is we have an HR tech platform. It's really the goal is to democratize benefits education and employee engagement for groups of all sizes with populations that are all in-house, all remote, and everything in between. Yeah, that sounds pretty useful and pretty necessary because we just did a all-company, you know, with Insperity, and uh, mm -hmm. I feel like we need a platform to be the visine for the glassy eyes of every person on that zoom call because i'm just looking around the zoom room including me and i'm just like huh what okay that's a lot so i guess step one like is that where it starts trying to get people engaged with benefits is making it not so quote a lot yeah making it more manageable in like little bite-sized pieces and also recognizing that not everybody learns the same way. So not everybody can go to a group meeting with a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts on the table and sit and listen to bullshit about benefits for two hours. Like some people want to learn everything all at once. Some people want to do it at their own pace. Some people want to have their partner present and we've got to allow that information to be accessible and realize that People don't need to be making these monumental decisions about their benefits based on an hour-long presentation that no one really wanted to listen to in the first place. Right. So how, how do you, how do you, how does Perks do that? How's that accomplished? Yeah. So a big, a big piece of it first off is getting buy-in from the HR team we're working with. And then the broker team we're working with, um, if there if there's a broker on the case so having them committed to what we're doing and then the second piece is we do a custom communication and rollout plan for all of our customers so for some people it's really traditional like banner on your internet site and emails for others it's like text blasts push notifications emails flyers any and everything you can think of to get people bought in um we do you know we do raffles we do ice cream Tuesdays if we got to, yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> to get people bought in. But it, it all comes, it all stems from the place that we can't just, we can't just have a single communication channel approach. It's got to be omni-channel to reach the most people. What are you seeing, you know, when you are reaching the people, what are you seeing resonate, you know, in the benefits conversation? Because, you know, the pay conversation is always there. The great realization, resignation has really started, I think, shedding more light that, all right, everyone says pay, but it's usually not a top, I mean, if people, I mean, it's not a top three exit factor for us. Uh, it's a lot of other right. things. And I feel like benefits really points to one of those other things that helps you feel better, helps your well-being, helps your yeah. not be distracted by some of these things outside of work, that benefits can really be 
a connecting piece. So, you know, in that guise, what's what's really attractive in the benefit space right now from the employee perspective? There are three big trends right now. The first two are product related, and then the last one is behavioral. So the first one is financial wellness. So well beyond 401ks, but the idea that over 50% of Americans couldn't afford a $400 emergency, right? So helping people become financially well so that if they do, you know, kid breaks an arm and you've got a $500 deductible, you can afford to pay for it. The second, which won't surprise you, is mental health. So real mental health resources, not not just a skinny EAP attached onto your major medical plan. And then the last piece is the most important, and it's what we're trying to solve for, and it's engagement and awareness. More often than not, and I'll use an example from my wife. My wife works for the largest property and casualty insurance company in the world, Chubb. Their benefits package is amazing. Shout out, Chubb. Thank you for letting me be on your benefits. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Great. But <laughs> when, <laughs> when she started traveling, you know, a few months ago after recovering from her C-section, she's still a breastfeeding mom, right? And her big worry is, Sims, we're going to have to spend $1,000 for me to freeze my milk and ship it home safely. And I was like, babe, like you have a benefit for this. They... Chubb definitely offers milk stork or something like that. And she's like, no, they don't. It's not on our enrollment platform. And after some tedious searching, we found that benefit buried deep in their internet site. And she was able to sign in. Whole idea, yep. though, amazing benefits package, huge lack of awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, you've touched on it. But specifically, now let's go even deeper. How do you hit the bat on the table and get these people, you know, you talked about omni-channel, you talked about that, but is there a way, to, are companies triggering, hey, you have a lead, you have maternity leave, or you're asking for this, like, is there any sort of pushes that are coming out these days? Or yeah. like, how do you connect these life events to the benefit? Yeah, so I think that that's, that's becoming a lot more popular just in terms of saying, hey, our communication plan, whether we use Perks or some other company or no company, is going to be year-round, and it's going to be focused on hey, here's a reminder of, you know, it's Heart Health Awareness Month, right? Don't don't forget to get your, your well check and file this claim associated with your accident policy. Um, so there's that. And then there's also this big push for data analytics. And I mean, we can all buy data from Milliman and, and all these right. places, but we've even started collecting data in our platform around what life events are you experiencing right now and what life events do you expect to experience throughout this next year so that we can compile and start to study trends around that. But I think that even taking a step back and taking a a more simple approach is most companies just have five to 10 entry points for their benefits. Mm -hmm. And it's your bin admin, maybe your HCM where you do your leave, you got some point solutions that you gotta go to. And employees just can't remember all of that. So consolidating all of that into one place is kind of the first step in the awareness problem. But then to your point, that doesn't solve it. You have to have the ongoing engagement because if you show me all my benefits today, by tomorrow morning, I will have forgotten all yeah. of them unless you continuously remind me. You know, I think that well, I can look back to my experience connecting the benefits to the actual experiences. I went through a couple of life events over the last couple of years and 
I was totally in the clouds as to what my options and ideas were. I was just like, oh, life of yeah. But my CEO, um, shout out to Chris, my CEO, he was like, hey, Tom, you should take advantage of X. You should, you're dealing with this. Don't forget about that. And I think when organizations can proactively say, oh, hey, Sims, you're about to take a paternity leave, which would be nice if you have, do you have paternity leave? Not perks, but like, have you had paternity leave? And did perks support you? Total aside, I told you this would happen. I was, I was employed by another company um, when I went, when my son was born and uh, the, the support, uh, we'll call it, we'll call it lackluster. That's the nicest way I can put it. Well, especially I was just on my last podcast. I'd never thought about it. Chris Hartley was on my last podcast and he talked about, I never thought about paternity. I always thought of it as a benefit. Even as a dad, I was like, oh, it's like an extra, extra. He's like, my wife had a C-section. She couldn't move. (laughs) Like my company gave me the time off and I was like, oh yeah, it's not just dad cuddling his kid. A lot of times like it's a dad, like actually running the entire household, supporting a, a a wife or partner that's gone through something that's pretty aggressive yeah. and it's needed. It's not a nice to have, it's a need to have. So again, I'm taking us on an aside, but that paternity piece, you know, I think that's a benefit that should be a little bit more, more common. Are you seeing that trending up? I am. Um, but it's still, it still feels to me like it's being led by larger companies who have operations in other countries. So like when I used to work for Colonial Life and Unum Group, our European subsidiaries really led that charge for us and helped Unum for all of its employees create this incredible parental leave package. Um, I think it is getting more common, but you think about it, it's expensive. Yeah. So it's not something that most smaller companies are offering or are able to offer from a financial perspective. When I think it ties back in, I, you know, I took us down this road, but I think tying back yeah. to where we originally was connecting this to the employee experience, that being really expensive to me means me as a person, what you pay me to be a part of your company is not being connected to my experience, my connection to the company, my yeah. output, my contributions outside of just productivity per hour that my payroll is purely an expense. It's not investment. Yep. And yep. that's not employee experience. And listen, I've been around business. I got a business degree. Like I get X's and O's, but in the conversation of employee experience, if you're looking at your paternity leave is purely just an expensive expense and not an investment, do you have the right people? Are you building a culture? Do you truly have an employee experience or just a financial experience that you're masking behind ice cream Tuesday. Right. <laughs> right. And it's, I mean, that's the sad reality of most of this is like you offer medical and some traditional true group benefits and pizza party. Once you hit your, your sales number and an ice cream Tuesday every once in a while, and you say, this is good. Our employees are happy. And then to your point, they're leaving like crazy. Yeah. Right. And everybody's like, oh, we can't figure it out. Yeah, we're on the other side. If they say, hey, Sims, I see we don't have paternity benefit, but we see you, your wife has a life event. Do you know you have these benefits? We can do X, Y, and Z for you, or here's your benefits. If they, if companies can mm-hmm. proactively reach out and do that, to me, that's employee experience, not just having the benefit, but right, and not just leaving you to find it, but connecting you to those benefits. Am I living too much in the clouds of hope or is that what we're seeing happening more often? 
I think we're beginning to see that happen because we, I mean, we have the data, we being the entire HR and benefits technology community, we have the data. We know when things are happening. If you die, sorry to be macabre, you're, you got a, a life event has to happen with your coverage for your spouse and your kids to retain coverage, right? So we have that happening and all it takes is one extra step to help an employee use the coverage in the right way when something like that happens and not just saying, oh, we're going to process a life event on your life insurance policy, but looking at the entire breadth of the coverage they have access to and saying these things fit as well. Take advantage of this. Here's how you do it. It is macabre, but it's also the only real truth, right? If you really get at like, yeah. it's it's where we're all headed. So you know, we need to focus on that and be proactive, and and also recognize it is difficult. And when companies can be proactive, you're going to build retention. You're going to build engaged yeah. people, regardless, because life events are also the events where you go. Do I need to come back to work? Do I want to come back to work? And I think companies yeah. go. They might not, so let's not give a benefit, rather than let's make sure they do, so let's give a benefit. I would guess, in my little uneducated space here in Denver, that the difference in cost is with turnover and the cost of investing on keeping those people that are already there and helping them as a human being is probably pretty even. Yeah, I, w I would imagine so. I mean... Hiring, hiring a new employee is wildly expensive. And right now, just with the market the way it is, it's difficult. Like the time component yeah. in that is huge. Yeah. And then your people forget you got to add in the cost. They're now buying ATS systems and they're adding more recruiters and they're, yeah. you know, like these costs are only going up. And again, if you just look at your people as a expense on your balance sheet, instead of, hey, they can provide real worth on both sides to the company, if we take right. care of them, that's employee experience. And I think that word, it gets used so much and everybody talks employee experience, employee experience, and you go to HR tech and there's like 30 different, totally different subjects called employee experience. Like yeah. it's easy to say your employee experience. It's really hard to be employee experience. And I think this benefits yeah. conversation can really highlight that. Yeah, I totally agree with you, but you're right. It's employee experience is like the, the buzzword right now it needs to be the buzz action right now yeah all right we're gonna take a little break and when we come back i want to talk about you as a person you're one of the few people that put yourself all the way out there and i'm one of the people that does not put myself all the way out there although i'm starting to but i think i want to i want to talk through that because i think it's a change in the workplace and i think you're doing you know i, I think your your approach is, is 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 worth talking about so we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about sims the whole person Understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Elements Employee Experience and Engagement Solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com. All right, it is time for the HR hot sauce. Sims, are you ready? I am always ready, born ready, bro. Love it. What's the best job you've ever had? Best job I ever had was a drug dealer. Wow, we will talk about that later. What's the, what's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? Uh, let's take that offline. <laughs> All right. Let's take that offline, and I hate that term. So, <laughs> Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Uh, I like working on rainy days because I don't feel like there's anything better to do. I hear that. 
How can someone make your day at work? Somebody can make my day at work um, by signing a contract or by just kind of like really buying into what we do at Perks. It feels good to know that prospects buy into the mission. Awesome. Best useless skill. Um, I can pick stuff up with my toes. I've got like weird dexterity with my toes and they're really long, like fingers. You're going to make one heck of a dad. (laughs) I always say it wrong. Mild, medium, hot, or nuclear? Let's go medium. I don't have anything to prove. I like that. I was going to say, you don't strike me as a medium guy, but with your, I don't have anything to prove, on the nose. Favorite interview question to ask or be asked? Favorite interview question to ask is, would you rather have a dog with a human face or a cat with human hands? I'm going to have to go with cat with human hands. Although it would use it for evil. They would definitely use the opposable thumb for evil. Yeah, right? What's your favorite song to bring you out of a funk? My favorite song to bring me out of a funk is 95 South by J. Cole. All right. You are done with the HR hot sauce. That was a spicy one, even though you said mild. Let's get back to the conversation. All right. We are back. It's a spicy hot sauce. That was fun. Sims, so, you know, I follow you on social. You seem to have a really strong social media presence, media strategy, and it really resonates. And it's not what you normally see. You're not just like, here's another Harvard Business Review article. Uh, (laughs) I think I posted one two days ago. Now now I hate myself a little bit. Um, (laughs) But so I want to talk about your social strategy. But above and beyond the strategy, you talk about yourself. You talk about... Like you talk about struggling with addiction. You talk about suicidal thoughts at times. You talk about abuse and like, I have trouble talking about that with a therapist, let alone, you know, not saying I have all those, but like, I've got my stuff. I can't even talk about stuff that's way easier than that with my (laughs) therapist. Like, I don't know. Like, how did you get to that space? Were you always just open? Um, were you scared about doing it on LinkedIn? That's a social yeah. space. Like, like, just tell me about that. Cause I'm really, I really respect that you do that. And it's something we are seeing more. And I feel like you're breaking down walls and getting more people to talk about things. I appreciated that. That's definitely the goal. And we can go ahead and start and say, I've not always been like this. I have for the majority of my life pushed things down and tried to hide them. Hence, hence the crippling narcotics addiction. <laughs> um, and, yeah. you know, when I first really got involved on LinkedIn, it was just over two years ago it was when I left my corporate job at Unum to get into the startup space. Um, and so I wanted to try my hand at social selling because I didn't have this, you know, I didn't have a $50,000 a year travel budget anymore. Um, didn't have big brand name recognition. And I don't love cold outreach. I still do it. We have to, Um, but I part of the job, but I wanted, I wanted something else in there to at least warm that up a little bit. So I started using LinkedIn and I was awful at it. Truly terrible. Like all the pitch slapping, all the terrible posts, no one wants to read. And so my authentic kind of approach and strategy was really born out of, Hey, I'm not selling anything and I can't do any worse than I am right now. So fuck it. Let's let's try it. See what happens. Um, and so I kind of experienced this shift of if I talk about these things, I'm going to alienate a potential buyer to 
if I talk about these things, I'm going to attract the right kind of people, the people I want to work with. Um, because, I mean, you've talked to me a few times, you know, maybe polarizing isn't the right word for my personality, but I'm a very specific type of person. Um, I don't have many lukewarm Right. kind of folks that like me either really like me or you really don't like me um so i just leaned into that and as i saw success you know my therapist encouraged me to embrace my true authentic self and so i just kind of kept doing it and it feels good it somehow works and I somehow still sell stuff um and i haven't gotten banned on linkedin yet uh, you know, keep trying. I'm, you know, they, they've been pretty good at that. So I'm sure, you, I'm sure you'll get there. So it, it sounds like it's one of those like net positive on both ends. You are a better, yeah. you feel better as a human being, being authentic at work. And it sounds like you're getting better business outcomes as well. And yeah. it's, you're not trying to do one or the other more. You're just trying to be you. And if it gets better business outcomes, then it can't be bad. Right. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. I love seeing more of this. The I think the best thing that came out of COVID was the term whole person. And it had been around mm -hmm. before, but you hear it all the time now. And companies are accepting almost any – so I came out of hospitality. You know, I worked in hotels and restaurants, and it's like, Tom, that shirt of blue is a slight hue off – and it looks like you didn't shave 15 minutes ago. So we're going to send you home to go look exactly <laughs> like you should. So like, I came out of that. And it was like, don't you dare. Yeah. Don't you dare stand out. Don't you dare show your style. Don't you dare show your heritage or where you're from. You look exactly like this manufactured thing. And I worked for Kelly Village, who was the president of Chili's. Uh, a couple years ago at, at Black Box Intelligence. And she was one of the first people in the hospitality to say, show your tattoos, roll your sleeves up, have a nose ring, put it, wear your earrings at work. And she mm -hmm. got so much crap for that. But guess what also happened? Chili's had a huge resurgence. Some of it was the menu. Yeah. A lot of it was how they did their menu. We're not going to get on the whole hospitality. But one piece was the they retained their employees. They attracted great employees that had tattoos. And... It really changed the brand. And I know everyone out there is like, well, Chili's isn't, you know, Eddie V. So it's not trying to be. But it's a real strong business right. now doing what they do because of that. It was the first time I started going, oh, you can do that. And it's not bad. And I just love seeing, I love seeing you, you know, being able to put it out there. Well, I appreciate it. Jeffrey Shapiro talks about fish. I, I, I hide that I'm, yeah. I like fish. I don't do it anymore. I've talked about it on this podcast like five times. I'm not trying to talk people into liking it. Like, that's pretty polarizing. You're either like, that's the stupidest drug crap I've ever heard. Or you're like, oh, man, I, I go to a different space. Like, like it's so polarizing. Yeah. I don't talk. That's not work me. But I'm realizing at this point, maybe it's my age. and Maybe it's people like you. I realize I can talk about who I am. And it's not going to hurt my business. It's not going to get me fired if I'm sincere and genuine and, and, and aligning right. with still having being a great employee. Like what, what's the harm in us feeling comfortable in our skin and feeling good when we come to work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going, Hey, I had a narcotics problem. You should try it. It was sweet. Like, <laughs> like it's, I had a yeah. problem and it was for real reasons. <laughs> yeah. And I dealt with it and I'm still dealing with it and that's okay.
Like that's that's cool, man. I'm uh, a lot of love. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, but it was you know, it did. It took me a lot of time to get comfortable with saying that kind of stuff. And there are still, you know, there are still people who don't like it, and fuck them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all we're all people, and you're not you're not yeah. Hollywood. You know, it's not Hollywood. It's it's a real share, and I think it comes to we can all be our best selves when we don't bottle it up. You created problems for yourself. Yeah because you didn't face difficult situations. And I think companies yep. have created a lot of cultural problems for themselves because they push down and don't allow situations to be what they are and either embrace them or fix them, but they bottle things up and they hide it. And that's, it, it's toxic. It builds toxicity for individuals and organizations and you got to get it out productively, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't deal with it productively, you're going to deal with it not productively, whether it's turnover, That's right. whether it's lawsuits as an organization, as a human, it's depression, it's isolation, it's drug use, it's you know all these different types of things, and you mm-hmm. got to deal with it. And I'm not saying all drug use comes from that, but in this, in this example, I think we can tie it all together, yes. In this example, it did. It did. But, you know, I can give it, you know, I, I wasn't planning on this, but just, you know, I got divorced this year, and I've been... You know, half America gets a divorce. I've been so ashamed about it. I'd never talk about it. I would never talk about it. Like half the people in my company, unless they listen to this podcast, still don't know. But I've just bottled it up and it's not been productive. And I'm finally getting to a point where like, dude, just talk about it. Just be you. Like, like yeah. it's okay. You don't have to be, you know, ashamed by it. You like, you're still a good dude. You're still, you're still Tom. You got divorced. Fine. Deal with it. Lick your wounds. You're still a kick-ass dad move forward. And I don't think I need, you know, I don't think that's going to help me sell more stuff, but I also think it's going to help me be a better person and maybe yeah. connect more and be a little bit lighter. So, Hey, I just did it. I just did what it you're might. talking about. I practiced what I preached. Uh, kind of felt good. Now I'm scared to publish I'm pr- this. I'm proud. Now, of you. now I'm scared to put this on the internet, but you know, we're going to do it. Dude, it's good. And it might like, this isn't the reason we do it, but it might help you sell stuff because somebody that a prospect of yours that you don't even know yet, may hear you say that and say, man, I've really been, I got divorced and I've really been struggling with that. And that was brave of him to say, because I've had that experience more than once. And again, it's not the goal, but it's a happy little byproduct that we're able to connect with other human beings in our day, in our day jobs. Well, I think that's, this is the perfect transition to kind of the last thing I really wanted to make sure we talked about is, you know, like being vendor partners, like my end result, my job is sales. But I don't approach mm-hmm. that with let's get sales. I approach it with let's make connections. Let's find out who people are, what problems they have. Can I help solve them? Can I help support them? Um, am I the right person to do that? Like, are we right. the right product to do that? And that's how I approach everything. Like, you know, like my outcome is sales. My title is sales. Like, you know, account exec. But like. That's not how I approach it, and I feel like so many people do that wrong, and I don't think it's bad we're talking about, hey, we might get sales from doing a podcast. We might get sales from being yeah. sincere people, but I'm also not like, have you seen my podcast? Buy my shit. Like, like it's not like that either. Like, right. Do you see the sales space trending more to vendor partner? I hear it talked about, but do you see the actions yeah. trending more to vendor partner or it being a talk track and people still just doing the same old creature feature buy my crap let let me manipulate yeah. the conversation enough to get what i need and celebrate a win rather for me as a salesperson rather than hey we really found the right product for the right people and they're going to kick a bunch of butt if they use yeah. this thing right 
I think it's still slowly evolving in our space and even more more so slowly in the traditional benefit space. You've still got a lot of the like always be closing yeah. like terrible used car salesman mentality. But the hope for me lies in, you know, seeing what me and you do, right? We're two two little examples of I, I want to I wanna do business with people who I'm a good fit for and they're gonna fit, a good fit for me, right? I'll say no to business if I have to. Then I also see, like on the traditional SaaS side, you got people like the Wills from Lavender. You got Darren McKee at Wealthy. You've got Zoe Hartsfield uh, at Speckett. All these people who have built these tremendous brands off just being super real yeah. all the time and wanting to help people. And they're the farthest you can get from the used car salesman you, you run into at the lot. Um, so people like that give me hope because they're the faces of these brands and they really are practicing the true vendor partner, social selling kind of approach. The early, so we're still in your view, and I don't disagree, we're in the early adopter stage of sales evolution. Yeah, I, I think so. Because there's still, there's still so many like SDR teams where it is just like you set a meeting by any means necessary. Like we are going to get this sale <laughs> no matter what. And you're just, you know, our numbers, the scoreboard, the KPIs, they're important. It's the business. You know, it's the business. But how you, you know, how you get there is more so important in my mind. Because there's short-term success in the beat you over the head and make you buy no matter what mentality. You can sell that way, but it's not sustainable. It's the reason I think that there's so much churn in the, the early part of people's sales careers. Um, and you have to have a company that's willing to invest in my type of approach. I don't get deals day one yep. with my approach, yep. right? It takes time. It takes time, but it's worth it because it guarantees long-term success. Yeah, I agree. And I think in our HR space, selling into HR, I think it's even more important because we know what HR is dealing with. We know what they're going through. They're going through their transformation, administrative to you know strategic. They, they went through yeah. keeping all the companies afloat in a lot of ways <laughs> through COVID. All the turnover, you know, the TA, like, and because they are so close to the people, their organization, I think yep. anybody selling into HR tech space needs to really be cognizant of that and really connect and really respect the people in HR and how close they are and how close your product directly affects human beings' lives. Right. And, you know, I hear all the talk about it. You know, uh, I'm not going to give a name, but there's a company that's like holistic, holistic, holistic. And we've got this culture and we want to connect to people. And then when you look at who they're hiring in the sales team, it's, I don't care if you're in HR. I don't care if you care about HR. If you have 30 minutes more experience in enterprise sales, in data security, sure, we're going to pick you over someone. There's not a market for like HR tech salespeople and retaining salespeople. It's all just, hey, we need people that can smile and dial and do things and get numbers. And of course, we talked about that business, but I think there's a lot of space in our HR tech space to truly walk the walk about culture and about yeah. connecting to people because I still see, I mean, there's, if I want to find a sales job in HR tech, there's no place I can go to. 
it's there's not even a tag in Indeed. It's oh, I just got to go find a sales job and know a company or be referred. Um, they would just rather have any yeah. sales guy rather than a salesperson that's connected. In my opinion, humble opinion. No, I totally agree, and you're right. Yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent that it's like the priority is SaaS sales folks. Like I see all these HR tech startups, and they want to grab somebody who has been an enterprise SaaS seller for ten years. Who do you think you're going to find? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, and like, what do they know about the buyer? It basically is right. We care about sales process. We do not care about buyer need. That's what it tells me. And that could be wrong, but it's our sales process is more important than the buyer's need and connecting and understanding the buyer. Right. Well, and it's interesting because like, I've been selling to HR people for quite a while now, and I still some days feel like I don't, I don't understand the space because HR buyers are unique because of the breadth of problems that they're tasked with solving. And there's a huge breadth in the differences between an HR director from one company to the yeah, next. Great point. But you don't typically see in like rev ops. Yeah. It, somebody asked me, they're like, you know, like, who's your, who do you sell to? I was like, I've never sold to more titles ever than in the HR space. Yeah. I mean, I like when I look at, you know, CHRO, oh, we got to get the CHR. There's a million VP of talent, v, director of talent. Sometimes it's HR business partners. Sometimes it's, you know, talent engagement. Like it's titles you've never heard of. Like there's so right. many versions of how, the people operations, people teams at companies are built out that yeah, I mean, you really have to understand these companies and understand what those roles do and the difference between organizational development and HR. Like, right. I, I would venture most people in the space are just like, I don't care. Like, are they the person that's going to get me a sale in a meeting? Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Well, fine. Great. Whatever. And I think that's evident. I always look at shows. That's why I like going to shows so much. Yeah. Because I think that's where you really see the rubber hit the road. You know, I was talking to Jay Palacki about this and, and we won't call out the shows, but she's like, all the shows were vendor demos. What about the vendors yeah. talking about the what we can action from the data they have? What about the vendors talking about best practices that we can incorporate? Where is the learning? Where is the vendors committing learning to people into HR rather than, hey, can I book a meeting? Can I book a meeting? Like, right. did you see our demo? Hey, we got 20 leads. You guys call them 400 times. Let's sell their data to, you know, like, uh, and, and that's why I like shows. You get a kind of finger in the air. And I thought we were trending in the right way during COVID with a lot of the virtual. But now that it's back in person, I think it's grab the bodies, grab the numbers. And of course, that's the business. But I think we're doing it wrong in HR tech. I think we're just selling like any other industry. And I think HR tech needs to sell specifically to needs and through connections and with an empathy for what the HR buyer has gone through and yeah. is going through right now. And I think it's truly unique. Maybe I'm too idealistic, but. I think it's, I feel that it's unique as well. And I think what you just mentioned makes it evident that we are just on the front end of kind of the sales transformation and that we have a long way to go. Um, because I, you know, I'll give you an example. I have a friend named Ryan May. She's a head of people ops for a 150 life um, high growth tech company. I've known her for years at this point. And she is a nice enough friend that I probably could have tried to sell her at any of my previous roles until now. And we have never done business together until two months ago. I think she signed a contract with us because it was finally 
after having conversations with her about her needs and the problems she was looking to solve, I actually have something that is going to make your life easier. <laughs> and that's, the, yeah. I mean, that's the way I think that we have to do it, but it's not the way we're taught to do it as sellers. Yeah. We're, uh, I, I think these conversations help. They help me stay the course and hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully this is the tip of the iceberg. And when I have you back on next year, we can talk about how, Hey, guess what? You remember that stuff we were talking about? I'm seeing it a lot more. I'm seeing the big companies actually doing it. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we can be hopeful, but you know, Sims, it's, it, I just want to give you the compliment again. I love what you're doing out there. Your content's interesting, which is why I kept following you. I would also encourage you, uh, I don't know if you use Twitter, but HR community, hashtag HR community on Twitter is a massive community of phenomenal people and they're really interactive and it's been one of the things that's lifted me up. I don't see you in there. So I'm officially inviting you. I'm going to have, yeah, I'm not on Twitter. So I, I do only that. do Twitter for work and HR and my passion. I don't follow any politics, any of the garbage. I follow the New York Giants a lot now. I'm like. But unfortunately, that's now a big chunk of my feed. That, count, that counts as garbage, <laughs> bro. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. I, for the last 10 years, you're right. <laughs> but I welcome you to check that community out. It's a great community. I don't see you there, so I'm always trying to invite people in. And, and I really appreciate what you're doing, man. Uh, it's awesome. Keep it up. Congrats on uh, uh, on your first year of being a dad. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see you around. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on All About HR. I've definitely learned a lot today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been a phenomenal episode in my eyes, hopefully in your ears, of All About HR. We'll see you back in two weeks. Take care. Bye.